0: recording in progress okay it's gonna be a great time
1: oh boy okay
0: Will that sound interesting
1: I go. damn i look so good
0: all right let's just wait you ready cool. four hours later yeah.
1: dear tech um, that like, made me tired Today we are talking about ping pong, free lunch, and nap rooms. What do the people want?
0: Uh, so have so let's let's start with um. Yeah, I'd love some ping pong, but no. Have <laughs> you had any of these before, in in a company workout? Yes, at?
1: I have had all of them. Um, I will say my first introduction to like quintessential, I feel like workplace perks, and we'll we'll define them in a bit just so so everyone's speaking the same language. But um workplace perks was at the staffing agency I worked at. Um and they had a ping pong table in the office. And prior to that I had been at a small company, um, pretty corporate, but none of that. And so I was like walking in, I was like, what the fuck? Like there's ping pong here. Like is it just for show? or people actually using it? Um, but no, everyone, not everyone. A lot of people used it. There were some very avid ping pongers in that office. Um, and then I would say that was like the first introduction. And then honestly, every media and tech company I've worked at since then have all had varying levels of, of perks as well. So yes, I have.
0: What about you? Uh, yeah, so actually, so the agents, the last agency I worked at uh the team started off at like a shared space and then we got our own space and they got a ping pong table and it was kind of new to all of us none of us had worked at a company with a ping pong table so we literally started like getting competitive and like practicing Mm -hmm. and playing ping pong and then we of course like on Fridays we'd have like beer so we started playing beer pong in the office which was great (laughs) um I don't know if that was great I mean I don't know if that helped or hurt the culture but something we did um but, but prior to that none of it um have you wait did so have you worked at a company with nap rooms? I feel like that's that's to me that's cool cuz I like to nap at my desk.
1: So I'm not going to go this will be a story for another podcast episode but okay. um I went through a promotional initiation experience um at a former place of employment where it involved a lot of alcohol. And I, <laughs> um, this is a long story, but I'm, I created a nap room the next day at work out of necessity. Um, but outside of that, okay.
0: I don't know if uh, that's a company perk though, Fran, I think that you, you made that for perk yourself.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a story for another day. Um, but anyways, I don't think I've ever had nap rooms. I want to say there were meditation pods. I believe, but I don't. I don't believe there's been a nap brim.
0: That's so zen, and I would definitely only use that for for napping. But that's not that's cool. Um, but yeah. So okay. So do you want to? Do you want to? Uh, you know,
1: let's let's define, define yeah what we're talking about. Yeah. So when you say when we talk about, I feel like ping pong's like the quintessential kind of term that people use when they start talking about perks. But what Do you mean when we talk about workplace perks and then maybe like the separation between perks and benefits?
0: Yeah. So I think, you know, a perk is, is, I mean, that's exactly what it is, right? It's something that's not industry standard, something that's not, you know, like, like a salary and a bonus and health healthcare and stuff like that. That's like, that's not a perk. That's something that almost every company offers. It's something that's basically expected by the industry. Um, I think a perk. When we try to define it, especially here, is something extra, something more more than. Um, and I think an example of a perk that became a benefit maybe is like uh, unlimited PTO. Like ten years mm-hmm. ago, that was a perk. It was like what unlimited PTO? Mm-hmm. That's wild. Today, if you, I mean, not having it isn't maybe a deal breaker, but having it, it's like okay, like it's not that it's not that big of a deal. Um, so I think that's how I would define a perk.
1: Mm. Okay, yeah, I think I honestly think I'm the same. It's like. It's like an added bonus. Um, I think in terms of like company benefits in the media and tech space, like the the basics will come down to compensation package, which, depending on which skill set you're in, oftentimes can include base salary, um, equity if the company offers it, a sign-on bonus if it's offered um, medical benefits, um, eyes, dental, Am I missing? 401 k 401k. An
0: annual annual bonus.
1: An annual bonus. Yeah. I, th- I feel like those are all like pretty standard. And depending on like the scale of the company, I think they'll vary a little bit. And like some of those items in the total comp package will vary a little bit, especially if it's like maybe a startup versus um like a Fortune 500 company, for example. Um and then like perks, um, I would say just as you said, like anything extra outside of that. I think, um, there have been a lot of, in my head, I would still say, I feel like there have been a lot of standardized perks. Um, so for example, like you said, like unlimited PTO, PTO is becoming more, um, consistent across the industry, um, food on site. The office in some form or fashion, whether it's free or whether you have to pay for it, at the very least, like snacks, I feel like are becoming like pretty frequent um, and consistent across companies. Um, ride share services, I feel like, have especially in like the larger cities, I feel like ride sharing services have become pretty popular. Um, what else? Any other like consistent ones you've seen out there? Oh, education benefits um i would also add as well as like increased mat and pat leave um what else i think
0: all all these are like determined by like the size of your company like i think yeah um when we look at something and and kind of like uh or even you know within you know we said 401k is like a benefit but you know some companies where it's like oh like you get x percent and the percentage can be yeah. a, a, almost a perk if it's, you know, cause some companies like we don't have any match. Um, so I think those things um, I think, yeah. Ride share are like a, or like, and again, depending on the size of the company, maybe just some sort of a stipend for travel. Like if you're going mm-hmm. into the office, some companies do like phones, like, or, you know, mm-hmm. for recruiting, I know almost any company will give you some sort of a phone stipend. Yep. Um, and yeah. So as long as it's not, industry standard i think for this today's conversation we'll talk about it as a perk even if it's becoming wider i think we'll make that that separation between what is expected for anyone doing the job and then what does it make it like oh this is what our company offers that's special mm-hmm. um which influences of a candidate you know some perks might make a candidate choose a company over another i doubt ping pong is the perk um but who knows you know, like, who
1: knows yeah, your yeah judgment mean,
0: or, you know, back in the day, or they still, I mean, they do it now, but I think it's nothing wild, but it's like when beer was on tap at startups, it's like, oh my God, you mm-hmm. know, beer on tap. That's amazing. At three o'clock every day we can drink. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's a thing anymore, especially with the remote work. I mean, I think, you know, you can have beer whenever you want. I mean, not that we should be drinking on the job, but you know, when you're, when you're at home. <laughs> oh
1: boy. And yeah, let's move past that one. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: um, free food for me, honestly, is... A very strong incentive. I remember when I was at uh, my last company pre pandemic, they had a full blown cafeteria and it was like some nice ass food. And there was breakfast and lunch completely free. There was like a hot meal bar, like eggs, meats, proteins, potatoes, omelettes. And they had like a cereal bar, a full like fruit bar. And then lunch, there was always like four or five different stations, and it was like some pretty darn good food. and in, in l a that's like saving me bare minimum forty bucks a day. Um so honestly, for me, free food, pretty good perk.
0: Did, did they do dinner too?
1: I don't think so.
0: I'm
1: trying Is, to remember I, I never a, stayed that late there was a, <laughs> I don't there was think a, did, no though. I was gonna
0: say so there was a LinkedIn article um a, a while ago that it was like that's how the companies get you mm-hmm. they get you in the door cuz they'll do breakfast from like 7 to to 9 or 7 to 9:30 so they get you in the door before 9 right they keep you for lunch obviously and then dinner is served at let's say 6:45 and your job day ends at 5 well you just worked an extra hour and 45 minutes or you know what i mean so mm-hmm. that was again i appreciate food i love food right and um i definitely I would say for for companies right now that are like oh we want to get people back in the office free food is a decent uh, motivator because mm-hmm. um, because you know some companies did it some companies didn't really do it but that's how for some people it's like that's how they get you to stay mm-hmm. um, yeah which I mean it's valid either way it's an investment the company's making right you for know, sure
1: so. I think I don't even remember historically and I'm kind of going down a tangent here but historically how I'm curious if this was like led by the tech industry, especially if you're talking about like um, Silicon Valley, Silicon beach of how companies evolved into the kind of like campus model where it's like your, it's literally was like created into your second home. Like there are like, we're talking about all these perks, like there you go there to work, but then obviously you're incentivized to come in earlier for free breakfast. There is like, parks and walk spaces outside there's game rooms there's snacks there's lunch so like this whole campus setting it's almost like a dorm room situation where it's creating an environment to keep people there longer so it's interesting I wonder I'd be curious to know like the history of like how kind of like campus model um came about but maybe we can talk about that another day
0: yeah, no because I remember you know with with uh, at least the Apple campus, Steve Jobs, like helped design it because um, mm. I, I read it in his book where he's like he had a vision for it, and that's definitely something we can go into. But I think so I think with the campus model, like those benefits and like making sure like it look, you have a lot of kids coming out of master's programs or college going straight into the tech world, going to these campuses, and they're used to that kind of an environment and they're mm. what, you know, when you' you're 23 years old, you know, working X amount of hours, I'm not saying, again, your choice of how you live is up to you, but if someone enjoys it, wants to just stay in campus and just work, a company accommodating that, that just, that only makes their own product better or their own work staff feel better, right? Don't make it mandatory, but if you allow them to be there and all their needs are taken care of, you know, I remember back in the day when Google was like revolutionary for having like masseuses, in the Mm -hmm. office and all the end, they have someone come in and make sure your desk was ergonomic Mm -hmm. that those investments. I mean, I genuinely think at least in the beginning paid off because one, the best talent was working in, you know, one of your engineers was worth maybe two or three of, of a random engineer walking by in the, in the area. So you had the best working staff. Um, Yes, they were pouring a lot of money into it, but I think they, they got, you know, if we look at Google's track record, they got the, the, a decent ROI. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that actually pulls us into the next thought process of, you know, the benefits versus the perks. Like, how do you balance that out? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we'll see companies out there that may not have as many perks, but they pay a ton of money.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Or if you can't pay, and that's something that I was going to say, right. To to you, Fran, like companies that can't pay, like, what do you think they could do with their perks? Right. Should, should it reflect or should they just be like, eh, we just can't.
1: Yeah. Um, so we, we did a poll on LinkedIn and I know both of us have read a, a bunch of studies on this as, as well, but at the end of the day, in terms of like how candidates prioritize, um, factors in making a job decision, compensation is number one. Um, I think that's pretty par for the course and understandable. Um, but hundred, obviously in this market, like there are companies that like completely different scales in our industry who aren't going to be able to compete financially so then it's like how do we get creative how do we build our brand how do we attract and retain talent when we can't compete just based on financials so then i think people have gotten creative with um having stock or ownership in the company um a really strong culture um a um, development program and training program for employees to help them gain skills on the job like you see so many creative things um that have worked for companies and they've like ap- apple started in a garage at some point like everyone starts small at some point um so it's like how did they get there how did they differentiate themselves how did they brand themselves it's like obviously we all as as Candidates and job seekers, like we all have different lives and different factors that we prioritize in reviewing and accepting a new job. So, for one person, like having the option to work completely remote when they are a full time tar- caretaker and have two kids is going to be like that person, honestly, might take a little bit of a pay cut to have that option for a new job where say if someone else is um has eight kids and finances are extremely important to them to make sure they can support their kids and their family so they may take a job that's a little bit farther of a commute but pays significantly more not with today's gas prices but maybe like 2 years ago um So it's like the factors that come into play for a candidate are going to completely fluctuate depending on the individual. So I think at least from like an employer perspective, it's like one, having a very strong um, understanding of the market and um, your competition, where you stand, where you rank up based on like... Um, market analytics and industry norms based on the talent you were trying to seek and the market you were trying to compete in. So like getting really good on like current state and then your own like awareness around where your company lies in that space. So where do you line up? Where do you stack up? um, Where are your strengths? Where are you competing? Where are you falling short? And then building your brand based around that knowledge. So if I know... Um, I'm a company that is going to be a market leader in terms of compensation and finances. Say Netflix, for example, like I can just throw fricking money at people and I'm going to get the best talent. Like that's going to be part of our brand is you're going to get top dollar here where, um, a small startup may not be able to compete financially. So, Maybe they have um a fully um flexible work from home policy. So you can come into the office, you can fully work from home and they build their brand around that and specifically target markets that are craving that flexibility where whether it's like a certain generation or caretakers or what have you. So I think, um, I would say from an employer's perspective, like those things are really important is really understanding the market, understanding where you stack up and then building your brand and highlighting what makes you different outside of that.
0: No, I love that. And it's, it's funny though. And I think a lot uh, based on like what you said, and something that stuck out is like be flexible as an employer, right? Like under understanding where you are and, and being willing to be flexible, but also like, um, well i want to go I want to go back to because i had I had a train of thought that just totally left. but um when when you say understanding you know where you stack up and and the example that you gave, that's also a big one because and we saw it in certain um companies in the industry that are technically industry leaders that may not have the best like culture uh, reputation. Well, they increase their salary bands because they realize that, like, Okay, you know, our culture needs work, but we still need people. So we're just going to up the, which I think is a great, great sign that they are keeping up with the market, seeing like, well, you know what, other companies, mind you, you know, we can all say and argue like, okay, well, they should invest in making their culture better. And we honestly, we don't know if they are or they aren't. But I think having the mindset or having the understanding that, well, you know what, we're not competitive when it comes to culture and that cu- culture is something that's kind of sort of cult, quantifiable to the fact that they know that they're not competitive in that space. Mm. So they up their salaries. Um, but the other thing is, I, I you know, companies I, I hope are, um, being aware. Cause I, you know, if you look at a job description and under perks, if you see, like, you get to work for this cool company, that's not a perk, right? Like that's not, don't say working in a fast environment is a perk, right. Or learning a lot is a perk, even for entry-level roles. Like that's no longer a perk. Mm-hmm. Um, it and it and it and it shows that you're kind of out of touch when you're putting stuff like that on job mm-hmm. sites. Um, you know, or even you know, if you put like a 401k as a perk, I feel like that that in today's day and age that kind of shows you're a little bit out of touch, right? Um, so yeah, but I think like you said earlier, uh, pay is the most important thing. So, uh, keeping that top of mind when you're defining, um, Perks and benefits for your roles is, is a big deal because, like you said, know yourself, know the market, and that's the thing. So, if you know you're not competitive, be flexible enough to say, Can we give more equity? Can mm-hmm. we give more PTO? You know, for a company that cannot, will not do PTO, maybe have like, because I remember there were companies that were like, We do X PTO max for every employee. Um, well, maybe if you aren't going to go unlimited be like all right well we can be flexible with pto we can negotiate on pto because i remember i've tried to be like okay you can't give me more salary can you give me more pto They're like no not mm-hmm. at all I'm like well what, what what do you want me to do as a candidate right mm-hmm.
1: um, i think that that um can, candidate like the, the where the power has shifted in the dynamic of hiring has evolved over the years too and i'm sure it will continue to evolve um because I think like previously, when I say previously, I'm trying to think of a t- timestamp I want to put on that. I think I would say like 10-ish years ago, The the these perks and uh, benefits and compensation packages um, that we're talking about, I think historically, like 10 plus years ago, that power lay with companies and organizations. I think how the, how the market was at the time, like we'll, we'll talk about this too in a a little bit, but I think it was tied to like generational norms. And then I also think, um, the element of like supply and demand, but I think, um, previously the, the power lay with the employer. So like employees could come in and you weren't really pushing back too much. Like most people would say like, Hey, can I get not most people, but people could ask like, Hey, can I get um, 5k more than this initial offer? And that could be a conversation, but it wasn't, um, I felt like as much, not as much power lay with the employee or the potential candidate um, to push back and say no and have demands um, in terms of accepting an offer. But I think now in this day and age, like we are all, especially when you get down to like more like niche, um, skill sets and say like engineering or cybersecurity, for example, the demand is so much higher than the supply. So the power has shifted. It sits more. I think it sits more with the candidate and the employees where, um, like we know there can be like five different companies that one person is interviewing with and they're all trying to seek out. So like that the more power lies that individual because they know they have multiple offers and can have the option to choose which one works best for them.
0: And I think, and I haven't done any research on this, but my thought process also went to like companies don't give pensions anymore. I think pension was like Mm -hmm. a big factor back in the day. And it also eliminated a lot of need for perks because like, well, we're going to pay you when you're not working for us anymore. Also working for a company for like a decade mattered, right? Like some company, Mm -hmm. I'll work for this company for 40 years. Um, and then I'll get a pension at the end. So when you when you looked at a company, you looked at all these other factors. So you weren't applying to a dozen. First of all, a, one person probably interviewed or had 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 um, three breaks in their in their entire career. Right? It's mm-hmm. like oh, I worked for this company for fifteen years, and then maybe went to another company, or maybe got laid off. Right? Which wasn't heard of today. I mean, honestly, if we looked at like one person who has. 12 years of experience he probably has the interview you know experience of like four people from back in the day Mm -hmm. right because they've done that or or even a contractor a contractor Mm -hmm. i've seen resumes where the person's been at you know 15 different companies in like less than a decade because they've been doing contract gigs so um i think the loss of the pension or the pension not being as prevalent these days you know i have nothing to lose where even not even just for new candidates but let's say i'm trying to get a promotion or get a pay bump, you know, back in the day it was, well, listen, don't be a troublemaker. Cause we're, we'll, we'll fire you and then you won't have your pension. But now it's like, it's the other way around. It's if you don't give me the pay bump, I'm going to Google, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to meta. And then I'm the employer scared because this is a great employee and they could go very easily. Right. Mm-hmm. So that, that's something that, that I thought of as well.
1: Yeah. I will. It was always funny to me. My, um, dad worked for the same company his entire life. He worked there for over 50 years. And if I heard someone tell me that today, I would literally be like, what the actual hell? Like how, why, like, were you growing during that time? Did you get opportunities to develop and move up and progress? Were you held and... hostage? Like, <laughs> But for my dad, it was, I think a lot of it was like a pride. It was something he was super passionate. Plus there was like very much so an emphasis on, um, loyalty to your company and employer um and, i think with his generation
0: i mean but that but like i would love to stay at a company longer term but the, the issue oh, is yeah. a, couple, a couple issues are is like one we know for a fact like based on studies you're not going to earn as much right the other thing is like you just said growth like there is a there will be a ceiling because at some point someone's not leaving For you to be able to get to that next step Mm -hmm. so you have to leave the company um and if you're there 40 years i mean like you said someone's stuck somewhere you're you're stuck somewhere for a really long time and your career takes Mm -hmm. a hit um that's yeah 50 years that's that's a lot of years
1: it's really cool it's freaking cool he worked for united airlines um and he like loved his job so much um so it was really cool like he was it was a great situation for him but
0: did y'all um, travel a lot? Wild. Did, did you guys yeah, use Yeah, we discount? got we
1: were on um oh what's it called now? Uh standby. Yeah, I lived like 15 years of my life on standby.
0: <laughs> it was so awesome. Cool, like
1: I I remember when I was younger, I was like definitely disgruntled by it sometimes cuz we would get like kicked off of flights or sleeping in an airport or in an airport for 10 hours um which I got no like looking back I'm like damn like we definitely got to travel a ton um because of that. So yeah. Oh, that,
0: that sounds yeah that sounds like a lot of fun um yeah. if i had that today i would be definitely flying around like more than i should be
1: yeah um
0: so all right wait so you actually talked about how it's changed over time over like last 10 years sort of thing um let's talk a little bit about how the pandemic changed it what do you mm. what do you think because i feel like i'll i'll speak to recruiting and 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 this is a very like Simple thing, but like I remember, I was looking for, I was kind of like looking for a job right before the pandemic. So this had to have been early twenty nineteen, um, and I was, I was speaking to a, a recruiter for a recruiter, and I was like, "Well, I'd love my next job to be remote, right?" I just mm-hmm. said, it. I didn't say it was like had to be. But I was like, oh. and she like kind of like beat me up for it. She was like, "That's not not a thing in the industry." You're, you actually sound lazy when you say that. She said all these things to me Damn. Um, and I, and I know like she's still a, re- she owns a recruiting company for recruiting. <laughs> she's a Great person po- posts a lot of inspirational stuff on, on LinkedIn. Uh, but she like kind of went in and I like at the end of the call, almost like I had to look at myself in the mirror and be like, am I lazy? Like, are you a lazy person? Like I felt really shitty after that. Um, But f- fast forward, f- fast forward, um, you know, 12, 14 months all the recruiting jobs are remote, mm. right? And it was 2020 uh, and COVID hit and everything's remote. Uh, and I don't want this part of it to be focused around remote work, but that's one of those things that like we realized every job that every employer said couldn't be remote because of X, Y, Z minus maybe 15% of the world's jobs that are physical like cops or maybe even some hardware people in the tech industry. Medical, right?
1: yeah. Like there's, Medical. there's definitely jobs that require
0: for sure. But even my friends who were, who are doctors, uh, they, well, they weren't doc. Well, they were, um, in their, um, school, no, right after they were, um, what's after med school and before fellowship. I can't believe I'm forgetting this. Um,
1: my gray's anatomy brain is not helping me right now. That's my only reference point.
0: This is actually a little embarrassing because I can't edit this part out. Cause is it like gray's
1: anatomy where they, they're yeah, yeah, in yeah. Oh, they're in um, rounds. They go on rounds. And I'm literally we, trying to think of Thank of God me.
0: this isn't this isn't medical phase because all the doctors are, are getting upset. Um, no, so it's uh, it's right after internship. So internship is the first year of their...
1: Clinicals? I'm just throwing out words. <laughs> no, I can't.
0: Um, residency. Wow, the word is ah, residency. I'm sorry. I uh, all that. the doctors listening, there I apologize. You. So they're in their, their residence um, yeah. and they were remote they were doing telemedicine for months, right? Um, They were going in from time to time, but the first, I will not forget this for the first, maybe six months of COVID, they're going into the hospitals very limited because the thing Mm. is there were interns like, you know, the interns died in like New York and stuff and this was in Texas and certain programs took things. So they, even they were able to do telemedicine for a while. Right. Mm -hmm. So my Mm -hmm. point becomes going back to the point before we spent 15 minutes figuring out what this, what this role was um, that, Every other role that we were told for years could not be remote Mm. suddenly became remote. And Mm. then COVID is, I don't want to, it's not, I'm not, it's not over, but it's, it's wrapping up or it's becoming more of a norm for us today. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these roles stayed remote. A lot of these companies Mm. decided that we will go fully remote. So what other, one, the impact of COVID to our work and our perks and our benefits in terms of jobs, like what has that been?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. Um I think the pandemic has completely altered our way of life in so many ways. Um but in terms of going into the workplace or being being able to do your job and then also talking about just like how it's affected workplace perks in general, um I think it's created a great shift like 100 as so many companies we had no other option but to figure out how to work remotely i um remember when we, when i started when the we first i think it was march 23rd 22nd 23rd um of last year when i first started working from home 100 percent i think in like our job function wait, wait, wait.
0: last year or two years ago.
1: Oh, my God. Fucking hell. <laughs> my it's okay. perception time is so COVID off. time. COVID yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Two years it's ago. been over two years. What the hell? Um. Anyways. Yeah. So it was like we were... We had no other option but to adapt. Like so many organizations, there was, there was literally no other option. You had to figure it out. Like companies were buying software to support the transition to remote. They were figuring out new processes, plans, schedules. Like everything shifted out of necessity. and just like you said, I think we we realized after being able to like function and so many companies actually producing and being able to grow their business and um have like major successes, it was a stark realization, like you said, that we can actually do this fully remote. like we don't need to be in office. Um well, I do think there are um countless benefits to being in office as well. I'm like 100% a big proponent of giving people that flexibility and that opportunity to make the best decision for themselves. Like as long as they're getting their work done, you do you. That if like I was if I was creating my own culture, that would be my my two cents is if you want to come in, great. If you want to work from home, great. I probably would try and cultivate some sort of um, like team offsite, maybe a couple times a year just to, um, build really focus on the, the interpersonal, um, culture elements of my team, because I think so much is lost, um, not being able to connect with people. Like we're all human. And I think human connection face-to-face, um, is also a a pretty big component in terms of, um, people feeling connected to their workplace and their peers. And there's like the psychological element of, um, I may put up with a little bit more or work a little bit harder. If I feel some sort of emotional, mental, like psychological tie to the people I work with. Um, so in summary, yes, hundred percent. I think it's, I think it's greatly shifted. If we're just talking about, um, the ability to work remotely, I think, um, it proved to us all that, yes, we can do this. Um, now I think a lot of companies are reacting differently to that as, um, we, like you said, like the, the COVID pandemic becomes kind of more of our norm. Um, and it's just kind of integrated into our, into our day to day now, um, it's interesting to see how companies are are reacting to the perk of working remotely and if they're requiring people to come back in, if they're leaving it open, if they're going fully remote. It's so my last company, they are shutting down offices, selling buildings, ending leases and they are 100% remote. Um so it's it's wild to me. Um I think it's amazing like that that works for them. Um And then a company like ours, they're incentivizing people to come back in. Um, A lot lot of individuals are still um, working remotely, but there are incentives to come back in. And I think we've heard a lot of call-outs from a lot of major media and tech companies. A lot of articles that have come out over the last six months about organizations requiring individuals um, to come back into the office and there's been a lot of blowback from that. So it's interesting to see if we're just talking about the perk of remote work, how the pandemic has affected it. Um, I think a lot of those other perks have shifted too. For example, the benefit of having um, free food on site. A lot of companies ended that. Um, one, cost savings, and two, the um, health and safety of having just food out in the open for people to touch and breathe on and eat. Um, so I think, I think that has shifted as well. Um, I think health and safety, um, has altered some of the, the site perks we'll see. Um, we have hand sanitizer in all of our offices now that you everywhere. see it like every it's two feet.
0: Everywhere, yeah.
1: Um, there's like cleaning protocols that are happening more frequently. Um, so I, I, I 100% think the pandemic has, I would say, depending on your viewpoint, both positively and negatively affected workplace perks. Um, I think a lot of companies are still going through the period of adapting to what direction they want to take now. And if they want to revert back to previous culture of, of the perks that they had, or if they're going to change based on what we all experienced in the last two years. Um, what have you been thinking about in terms of like, where do you see if a company's doing it right? What are they doing right now in terms of employee perks?
0: I think so when it comes to remote, so it's really funny because I, I think of how I felt being an IC, being an independent contributor, and now being a manager. Um, I think one of the things that is great is not making blanket statements. Mm. Um, saying that we are gonna go fully remote no matter what, or saying everyone needs to be in the office no matter what, I think those that's very, it's very um narrow minded and quick,
1: quick, quick, quick pause in there. Pin your thoughts so you don't lose it. Sure. Um, quick follow-up questions that do you, so my only question to that would be, I feel like there needs to be consistency in terms of behavior. Like I, I hear, I agree with you, but the devil advocate side of me is I feel like there needs to be consistency in policy and behavior across companies. So everyone, um, has the same experience, but then I also understand like the need to create an equitable environment where there is that flexibility.
0: So, so I would argue, why does everyone need to have the same experience when what they're experiencing themselves in their own lives are going to be different person to person. If I have three kids and I need to be home at three o'clock so that Mm. when they come home, there's someone home, my experience shouldn't be the same as a 21 year old kid who can, can do whatever they want, go into the office or lives right next to the office. Right. So I I don't, I I I, I understand. No, I think, I think I know what you meant though. Like it should be, it should be, so here's what I'll say. It should be ne- ne- not necessarily quote unquote equal. It should be equitable. So it yeah. should be what I, I think need. I meant
1: like, it shouldn't be the same experience. It should be the same message, I think, in terms of what they're offering. Uh,
0: yeah. So I think it should be the same availability of, hmm, I don't want to use the word flexibility again, but it should be like, you get what you need per mm-hmm. person. Right. So, and and I think one of the things that's nice is, and as long as you have a management structure, a management team that is empathetic saying that, oh, it's up to the managers, what you discuss with your manager. Because now that I, when I look at it, look, my team is is all over the United States, right? No one lives in, I live in New York. No one lives here from my team, but I would have loved, I would love to have team members nearby and go into the office once in a while. So I live an hour away from work. I don't particularly love traveling to go to the office, but I actually do like being in the office, right? So I would Love to have maybe once a week if I had a team nearby to be able to go into the office with. But like you said earlier, offsites are great for that. If you can do quarterly offsites, that'd be great because you're right. Strangers, you know, this is and and I can't remember who said the quote, and I feel really bad. Um, but I will, I will look it up. But strangers can't team,
1: Mm -hmm. right? At the end
0: of the day, and I think we had this conversation where it's like Fran, like oh,
1: we were talking about that. uh, that, It was at a work. uh, There was a there was a a work video. There
0: was a there was a work video. Um, and, but the thing is, it comes down to, you know, Fran, you and I work well together. Um, and this was what we said earlier. It's like, we work well together and you're an awesome person and we maybe we're work friends, but I don't know you outside of this little zoom box. Mm -hmm. Right. I think we know each other better now, but in general, at least prior or with most people on their teams, they don't know each other past the zoom box anymore, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a problem when it comes to being an actual team, being productive. Um, so I do think when it comes to the, the remote piece making blanket statements is tough and i think if you're deciding that hey we want the people in our company to be type x type of person that is going to come in the office you're making a, a decision to alienate a big portion mm-hmm. of the work work workforce and you have to be okay with that and that's on you mm-hmm. right and if you're complaining we're not getting the best talent well guess what you've decided that or on the other side of things if you're deciding we will not have any physical offices. You're also alienating a percentage of the workforce or you're you're alienating a level of uh, connectivity, a level of uh, camaraderie, whatever it is. Right. And you may be destined to have a team of um, almost uh, actually I I don't want to say that because I'm not going to say everyone that's that's a remote worker has less uh, love for their company. But you're risking that possibility that's, that a percentage of your comp, comp team won't care as much, right? Less
1: connection, yeah.
0: So I think uh, the people that are doing it right are people that are, say, that are listening to each, each individual person. And obviously, it's not like one person listening to everyone. It's you have a management structure in place to have conversations and say, you know what, you know, we'll come into the office X days a week if you need to. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, I have some of my friends who are heads down developers. They're not a part of any of the, um, you know, idea ideation processes. They're there to code. And at least I know one of them was told you need to be in the office. And he was literally like, why? Mm -hmm. I just need to be told like I because he's and he's junior. He's a junior, almost kid. um, And he just wants to code. But he's like, I don't need to travel 45 minutes to do that. I have my computer set up at home and my work hasn't gotten any worse. So that's the first thing I think the other thing is it comes down to, you know, when you look at, um, a lot of companies that don't have quote unquote unlimited PTO, they did unlimited sick days. Mm -hmm. I think in the world of COVID that's huge because I don't think limiting how long, like I shouldn't be sick. And I've done this before in in, at work where I had a flu, which now you think about it, you're like, Oh my gosh, you were going to get everyone sick, but I had the flu at 102 degree fever and I went to work. I didn't have sick days. Mm-hmm. that's wild to me. Right. And then, and if a company is saying, well, if we give, if we're not giving unlimited PTO, we're giving unlimited sick days, people are going to take advantage of it. I'm like, if you're making decisions based on the exceptions and not the rules, you have your own issues. Mm. Right. Cause your entire company isn't going to do that. Even with unlimited PTO friend, how much PTO do we actually take? Right. I probably take less I PTO.
1: I, I think I um I really embraced unlimited PTO this year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but okay which is which is honestly but our management i didn't use us it that.
1: but i embraced it
0: but but our leadership structure embraced. told us to do that right mm-hmm. it's like please take your pto um especially this year it was things were so slow based on oh, certain things sure. going on um but in general if i look at you know when i come in and i hear i've unlimited pto it's actually working in the inverse because i'm not counting the days mm-hmm. that i have to take off mm-hmm. right um You know, and there's a whole other thing where it's like, well, if you have unlimited PTO, you don't have to pay out PTO anymore from a company standpoint. Good for the company. But I, when I look at, when I look at that as a, as an employee, I would, I don't need you to pay me out. Just let me not have to think about it before I take a day off because, you know, my dog is feeling sick or something to that effect. Right. Or, um, it's going to sound really, really dumb and messed up. My dad got sick in 2018 in India and I had to go. My first thought was, do I have enough days? I didn't go. I ended up not going uh, because I couldn't get a visa, which is a whole other story. But my first thought was, do I have enough days? That is a a stupid thought to have Mm -hmm. when you have an emergency. So I think that's another thing that a company is doing right in today's day and age, whether or not you have unlimited PTO. That's a whole other conversation that we don't need to get into right now. But if your sick days are still like, oh, you have five or you have eight, which is wild. So you're telling me that I can get sick once a quarter or twice a quarter and that's it, right? Like that's um or even for people that i mean anyway um i think another thing that's good that's doing it right matt and pat leave i think that's no longer should be a perk um i know that you know countries in the in outside of the united states have blanket things uh you know terms in place uh we don't have that which is neither here nor there i think as an employer you you are responsible for your employees so you should uh take responsibility right um Yeah. And I think outside of that, I think, again, all of these things that we're talking about, it comes down to empathy, have conversations with your employees, see what they want, right? Mm -hmm. And, and, and go from there. Um, Like, if you have a team of people saying, we don't want to come into the office, and you decide that you're going to make them come into the office, that is what is doing it wrong. Not, not, not one or the other. It's, it's the conversations you have, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. I agree. I think from, from everything you've shared and what we've talked about so far too, I think it comes down to like f- fully assessing your situation, where you're at, where the market's at, and then listening to your employees and then kind of using all of those components when, with like empathy as your driver to like craft, the best model you can. Well, also then they like we keep in mind like these are businesses like they're trying to make money. That's always going to be their driver in most cases. And then we have, um, what was it? Patagonia, or REI. The owner sold off. Patagonia portion. What was it? Patagonia. Patagonia sold off like his whole. I don't know. I don't remember the list. Just sticks of of the articles I was reading. But like, there's people like him, which is freaking wonderful. Um, but it was like always like knowing they're they're there to make money. So then it's like, that's always going to be the first driver. But um, the awareness around everything outside of that, I think is really important.
0: But, but I also think like when we say that, right? If we look at all the factors of all the different factors, let's say like losing employees and, ha- and the recruiting costs, right? Or the cost of having maybe not quote unquote, the best employee in the seat. All these things have costs. So I think if you can narrow down into your culture, your quote unquote perks, benefits, whatever that may be, and you actually tune it up well and you're very intentional about those things, it almost, if not giving you a some sort of a profit or a benefit, it will balance out the cost that you're putting in because you're either not having to recruit as often which is, which is cost-saving. Mind you, I would love to be in a world where recruiters are always in demand, but if you do it right, you don't have to be recruiting all the time or have mm-hmm. high attrition. Um, and then also, if you have really good people in seats, and I'm speaking to tech because, you know, I remember asking someone about, and this may or may not be true, but I was like, you know, why why do you want to live in the Silicon Valley? And he was like, well, in their opinion, they said that the the people that, this was pre-pandemic, the people that they were working with were, the best. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're saying, if I'm working with the best my games getting elevated, but also for the company, you don't, you you have less people doing better work mm-hmm. than a group of people that are maybe B level players or C level players. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're, you know, think about it this way in terms of cost, right. Dollars. If I have five engineers that I'm paying above market, they're doing the work of 15 engineers below market. You're still saving money. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, again. And I keep giving the disclosures because I know the comments are going to be like saying a bunch of stuff, but that's uh, an opinion of someone,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, you may, you may be not in Silicon Valley and be a engineer. That's not what I'm saying right now, but that's what, that's the sentiment they were giving. So mm-hmm. if, you know, if you're willing to pay a little bit more and, and have that level of work, it might be worth it to you because you might be saving money in the long run.
1: Yeah, for sure. I agree. hundred percent. Okay. So kind of moving, we touched on this a little bit when we were talking previously, but moving onward to the element of generations and how generational norms have affected workplace perks and benefits. Um, What are your thoughts? I, I feel like different generations kind of have different characteristics and different norms so what are your thoughts on that and how do you feel like it's effective if at all workplace perks
0: so i think if you go back from like you know let's say like post world war one or like post great depression you were you were lucky to have a job and that's how Mm -hmm. people felt for a long time right lucky to have a job and then because it was like you know work in a factory that was like a lot of the jobs or like not doesn't not everyone went to college and then everyone went to college and then you started you know work at a company for 40 years you get a pension right those things made it so that we as workers didn't raise our hand and say hey i want this we were like we're good i'm glad i have money i'm glad i have what i have Mm -hmm. and if you weren't glad you you know sold paper tupperware on the side or you know you're you're whatever it may be to supplement your income. Mm -hmm. Then we get to a point where, you know, tech industry starts doing its thing. Silicon Valley happens, you know, you have your IBMs, your Apples, your Microsofts, and they start doing their thing. And then they realize, then people realize, well, you know, if there's a Microsoft to work at, there's also an Apple to work at. And then there's some competition starting. And then, you know, a decade or so, or two decades later, Google comes around Right. And then it becomes all these companies start popping up, and then you have your dot com boom. So every day there's a new company. Um, And then where do you want to work ends up being the thing, right? Especially during the dot com, right before the dot com bust, excuse me, um, this starts happening, and then competition starts. As this is happening, slowly but surely, the whole companies realize that they're losing a little bit of this loyalty and I don't know if it had anything to do with it but then we companies stop stop doing the whole pension thing Mm. and that stops being a thing and then people stop sticking around for as long as they used to and then because that's becoming the norm more so and because back in the day if you had you know if you change jobs every five years you were a job hopper right now it's like You know, every year you're a job hopper, but since that starts changing companies like, all right, well, how do we become more competitive? How do we keep people? How do we attract the best people? So I think, you know, even with my mom, you know, when I'm, when I'm negotiating, if I talk about negotiating a salary, when I'm getting a job, I'm like, Hey, listen, if they, you know, if they offer X, I'm not going to take the job or I'm going to say, no, I'm going to ask for more. I was like, no, 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 don't do that. Just, just take what they give you. Don't Mm -hmm. they're they're gonna take the offer away. I'm like, first of all, if a company takes an offer away, if I'm trying to negotiate, that's not a company I might want to work for. Um, but on the other side of things, it's like she's so scared (laughs) because back in her day they had all the power, but now um not saying workers have all the power because I think it's a it's a pendulum, it goes back and forth depending on the market. We have some power, right? You know, we understand that you know we are the ones with the good that we're mm-hmm. trying to quote unquote sell. So it's still supply and demand, but we understand more so now that we we are the supply.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. This is an offshoot to the point, but I also wondered like I'm, I would assume or venture to guess to like the, there's probably the element with your mom too. And like, I felt this way, especially earlier on in my career. And it's still kind of like a muscle that I'm flexing is um, the statistics for females, asking for more money and compensation and pushing back on offers is significantly less than males. If we're just talking about gender and just marginalized groups and gender in general, I think asking for more, um, is not a muscle that's as strong, um, in more like dominant groups based on the environment that you're in. Um, so I'm sure that that's an element of it as well, but I'm also, as you were talking, I was thinking about, too, I feel like the, the development of technology and social media also has played such a huge role in the younger generations that we see today, their visibility, access, and awareness to what's out there. So I think if we're if we're talking about older generations, um, there was much less of that, much less developed technology that provided you more awareness, visibility, and access to what other companies were doing out there and what was out there, and connecting with people to get jobs. I think um, I think that component has played a big factor in if we're talking about the generational norms and how they've shifted and evolved. Um, with younger generations I think now it's like you can s- easily easily see what else is out there you can easily see well uh, like in two seconds I can go and research like the perks um like I-, I looked at some of the top companies for example um I don't remember the exact um inner workings of the program but Disney has a program where they fully um fully cover education I know a lot of a lot of companies have, benefits where they, they will provide some sort of supplement or stipend for, um, education that benefits the individual's position. Yes. be signed off on, but it, it looks like at Disney specifically, I've never worked there before, but at Disney, there was like a fully covered, I'm sure there's, there's some stipulations to that, but a fully covered educational offering. So, um, 20 years, or let's say like 40 years ago, there may not have been the technology out there for people to have necessarily the awareness or understanding that things like that were out there. So I feel like technology and social media have also played a big part in the generational norms of how workplace perks are viewed and expected in the
0: job search. Yeah. I mean, I think Glassdoor was that pioneer that like
1: mm-hmm. they
0: they changed the game, right? And um you know and, and if you if you ever hear a company say don't believe what you read on glassdoor you gotta pause and, and think about it and mind you I, i'm I, they're not there's fully wrong told
1: people out there i get it sure. but yeah
0: don't say, i mean i wouldn't like even if i knew there was a lot of stuff on glassdoor that wasn't legit like i wouldn't say it out loud just because i've i've had recruiters be like listen just don't don't believe the don't believe the glassdoor and i'm like that's a red flag um but now there's blind it's a new company it's a new there's um app so many there. there's so many yeah um yeah. no you're absolutely Yelp right reviews yeah, or even for me, I love Reddit. Actually, if I'm being um, honest, um, and Reddit's not sponsoring this, but they're my favorite place to do research. Reddit and YouTube are probably my favorite place to do any kind of research now. I'm not,
1: not a Reddit individual, but a previous uh, boss of mine told me I needed to embrace Reddit so I could f- better understand the acronyms that he was utilizing. <laughs> I
0: Reddit is I I love I pretty I'm pretty sure that he was using uh, tl What is it? Tldr. Too long, didn't we? Oh, yeah. I have a lot of people respond to emails. People respond to emails with that. Um, Bold. but <laughs> yeah, but um, no, but you're absolutely, but that's the thing where it comes down to because people didn't know certain perks were very, were used very, um, I don't want to say prejudicially, but they were used like for certain people. It's like, oh, I like him, I'm gonna pay for his, you know, schooling. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna invest in you so you come work for my, but it wasn't for everyone right and it was for and earlier what you said about you know about like gender and stuff and absolutely my mom is a immigrant female in the United States, right so there's you have she's a she's a person of color, she's an immigrant, and she's she's a, a woman, right so she has but my dad has a similar fears where like back and not anymore because like I think they've they've seen me negotiate and they' they've appreciated that I'm not gonna get fired or lose my job or whatever. Mm-hmm. But my dad, yeah, I was like, dad, I'm going to ask for you know a raise because X, Y, Z. And he was like, no, nah, you're, you're good. You're making good money. What do you need a raise for? I was like, Ma, dad, I'm like, I'm underpaid by like X amount. Yeah. Um, so, but because it's out there now, and even if we look generally, you know, if you think about it, there's an episode of The Office, it's really funny, where Michael Scott finds out that he's underpaid <laughs> and he's getting paid, you know, less than like his team can't get raises because he's so underpaid. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had no way of knowing that. Right, because he doesn't know. But for us, if you know, back when you were an agency, if someone came up to you and just asked you off the bat, like, "Oh, what does a Java developer make?" I mean, from from my memory, you know, five to seven years ago, it was like fifty bucks an hour, and but I knew that, and everyone knew that, everyone mm-hmm. knew that, right? And everyone knows. So these these numbers aren't like surprises. I think that's the beauty of today, um, and now even better. Uh, New York has that whole pay transparency, mm-hmm. and so does California. Has it coming out Washington, uh, and that will that question will never happen again. You know, before I remember people used to come up to me, oh, you're a recruiter. Can you tell me what, what my value is? Like, how much should I ask for? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, and I used to feel bad because like, then you find out that these people are getting like underpaid by like tens of thousands of dollars. I had this lady, mm-hmm. um, she was a, a consultant for, for SAP for their, uh, for accounting. And she was getting, she was like, yeah, I'm making, you know, like 80 bucks an hour. I was like, what you can literally make twice what you're making. Uh, yeah. oh no no she's making 80000 and she I was like you can make okay, I was crazy. like, oh yeah, 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 yeah no, no. her own profession, a- but I also hate <laughs> accounting. Oh okay. yeah, SAP can- candidates, consultants back in the day used to make so much money. Or uh, they probably mm-hmm. still do. I don't I'm out of out of touch with SAP right now. Um but yeah, I think technology has done a great thing. But at the same time, I think one of the negatives though, um, that that I see or have seen from from some job seekers in the past is a little bit of entitlement. Mm -hmm. uh which i think that's the negative side of it where like i should get x because you know or like your job posting says max rate of of this or this max salary of this that's how much i want to make because that's that's what i'm what i deserve i think that's a little you know i think there should always be room for a little humility a little negotiation um so i think i i you should ask for what you're worth but also understand that like you're not always going to get what you what you want
1: oh yeah for sure i honestly tell people ask for more like asking can't or shouldn't hurt you like ask for the moon and then also know where you're willing to accept um absolutely yeah i totally agree um one other topic that we touched on a little bit too how do you feel like the evolution of supply and demand and the tech industry has affected, if at all, workplace perks?
0: Huh. So that's interesting because I think globalization, so workplace perks aside, I think just like jobs in America, I think like because now some companies are thinking, oh, like we don't need engineers in, on, on, on shore. We can go offshore or near shore. Um, I think for a time, that kind of cut the amount of perks or the amount of benefits, whatever companies mm-hmm. were willing to give. But then a couple of things happened. One is I think the demand skyrocketed. And so to the point where even if you have people in Excuse me. in offshore um, you're, you're still in a position where you need people onshore, and mm-hmm. there are more companies now than there were before there are more positions. So, it was like kind of like a, uh, you know, like a pendulum that kind of swung one way. Uh, but even though these things are happening, you're still needing more. So I don't think it's in today's day and age, I don't think it's affected the perks as much in a negative way. Um, but. Huh? That's actually a good question. I'm trying to think if, if, what the effects, cause I think there were effects, but I don't think that's the case anymore. If that makes sense.
1: Hmm. I would say for for like answering my own question I feel like the impact and effect is constantly evolving just based on the market like obviously we're seeing right now a little bit of our industry a lot of companies are going through layoffs um and have significantly reduced or slowed down hiring um so in those instances a lot of times again it's like the the power swinging a little bit back more on the side of the employer, so then perhaps they could be altering and not not offering as much, thinking that the supply is now higher than the demand, or that that number and value is shifting a little bit. Um, I think, I I think it just there's so many different factors that come into play. I think with um, the evolution of workplace perks, whether it be the cultural evolution of generations or um, supply and demand or um, competition. I think, I think there's so many factors that come into play. I think um, from the perspective of a candidate and an employee, um, the workplace perks are obviously like awesome outside of just like historically a standard, compensation package with salary like things we talked about previously salary um bonus annual bonus equity and what have you outside of that like having the perks like being able to work remote or free food or mat leave or um free movie screenings on site at our office like all those things like add value to me for sure um but it's, it's interesting to see like I said, that the evolution over the years, and I'll be curious to see how like 10 years from now, what's going to, what are we going to be looking at in terms of workplace perks?
0: Do you think that the, the change in supply and demand, do you think that causes a change in the perks? Oh, in the sense, like, do you think that causes them cutting perks or do you think that changes? Cause I know like, obviously that also affects how often they hire and stuff, but mm-hmm. what can you off the top of your head, think of like perks that get taken away not by one company but maybe like uh, industry-wide
1: i don't think so i feel like i feel like as a norm companies historically have not backtracked based on supply and demand um i i feel like we haven't seen too often where like i said perks have been reduced because of that i think it's only just been like what's added or perhaps there was a reason where like financially they couldn't support a benefits package anymore or um, like free food on site was removed because of the pandemic, like factors come into play like that where they're removed or changed. But I don't think, I don't think a higher supply with a decreased demand has been the cause of companies. Like maybe there's some out there that that has happened, but I don't think as a industry norm that has been the catalyst for change.
0: Yeah. I hope, I hope free food comes back as a norm. Cause like you said, I actually like, that's a big one. It really is yeah. for me. It probably like you said $40 a day, right?
1: Minimum for two yeah. months.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah. And if you think about like $40 a day, that's a lot of money. Like, yeah. That's oh, up that, quick. yeah. Um, so with that, I'm actually going to ask you, and I don't know if it's too early, but I, I don't care. Cause I want to ask you what are your top five perks and benefits? So you can mix and match. What is your top five in order? No ties.
1: Damn, I'm gonna have to like write this out so I can oh. like analyze it and think about it. But I'll try not take too long. Top it's five, so including comp Everything. benefits.
0: Yeah, but you're going like make five.
1: Can I say like comp packages one thing, or do I have to get granular with like base salary?
0: I think we'll make comp package one thing. What um, yeah, we'll make comp package is one thing.
1: Okay, so I'll do comp package is number one. Am I doing? Sorry, I have. I I'm the kind of person that asks. I need to know my parameters here. Am I doing factors in choosing a job, or am I solely looking at um, benefits and perks?
0: It's just what's important to you. I don't wanna. I don't wanna like. We're not comparing, and contrasting. It's just what. So I'll get. So okay. I'll let you think about that as you're doing that. I'm gonna read a few stats, if that's cool. Okay. So I'll, let you, I'll let you type it out. This, this is good. So yeah. So types of flexibilities that tech workers want. This is from Indeed. Okay. Mm-hmm. So fifty-eight percent of people wanted their top thing was flexible work hours. Mm -hmm. Okay. 24% of people wanted work from home. Okay. So I guess it means like some work from home because the next one is remote work coming in at 14.4%. So I think they just want fully remote. And then 2.6 said, none of these. All right. Um, Another one I'll say, I'll jump to says tech workers, top benefits and perks. So 32% wanted Employee development program and tuition reimbursement. That was our number one top benefit or perk, which is very hmm. interesting to me for tech workers. Number two is health and wellness program, which I get. Healthcare is important. Number three is volunteer or corporate social responsibility program. Number <laughs> the next one is pet friendly office, which I totally get. Uh, and you had some concerns about that if you want to mention them later. Mm-hmm. And the last one was none of these, which is seven, which is seven point. 5%. Um, and prep friendly was 11.6%. But I find that interesting that employee development program was their number one, but I'm, I'm assuming that some of the things that we're calling perks, these people might assume as benefits, mm. right? I'm, I'm guessing because I feel like PTO, I guess, can come under benefits um, mm-hmm. if, if, they're, if they're not thinking of that. Um, and then the last one, as, as you're wrapping up your thing, the last one that I'll bring up is what tech workers would take pay cuts for mm. okay and I, I find this very interesting um hang on let me just do okay here we go career advancement is the f- number one okay uh workplace flexibility is number two shorter commute is number three free food is number four um okay i can't make out oh eth- oh so okay Better culture fit is number five. Ethical responsibility Hmm. for the company is number six. Hmm. And then volunteer opportunity is number seven. Hmm. Um, But interesting. And I think you also had a comment about the whole career advancement, taking a pay cut as well. Do you remember what you said?
1: No, I don't.
0: I agreed Hmm. with it that like, if you're, if you're going to like get a position that's like higher up, you should get paid more. (laughs) not take a pay cut
1: oh yeah i well i think for me it's just like from that my viewpoint i was talking about like 100 i i understand like if i'm completely shifting skill sets to where like market rates are lower in the new role that i'm moving into than what i was at previously like i totally get that Yeah, yeah i get that for pivots my viewpoint was like, if I'm like, where I was like, hell no, I wouldn't do that is if there, look, there may be other factors where I would, but as a general response to me taking an opportunity at another company that was still in line with my current career track. And they were trying to offer me less money. Uh-uh, nope. Yep. No, ah, I it's not happening
0: <laughs> <I> absolutely <laughs> unless agree. there were
1: some other factors that were important to me that outweighed comp, but, um, <laughs> okay. I did two things. I did my top, I didn't fully listen to your rules for this. I did my top four factors in assessing a job for me personally. And then I did my top four perks. Okay. Which with more time, I would fully probably change this, but in the short amount of time, <laughs> me giving you a response. So my top four in assessing a job. Comp package is number one. Um it's my number one driver for sure, but it can flex based on a number of things. Two is work flexibility. Um so I with that I would say the flexibility of on-site versus off site and also the flexibility of time. Like like right now, like I I'm available during core work hours. I'm typically working during core work hours, but like if i have an appointment like my boss doesn't care if i schedule an appointment in the late afternoon and step away and then come back like as long as my work's done and my partners are happy like we're good um three i would say direct manager um i i forget the study i read had read previously but it was like the your direct manager is the number one reason why people leave or stay in their current job. It has such a big impact on your day-to-day, your growth, your development, like how you're feeling um, so many factors. And then for culture um, which is all encompassing and I could go down so many specific rabbit holes there. So those are my top four for job assessment. Mm -hmm. And then my top four perks were free food, (laughs) wellness benefits, career development, and leave, um, and leave. I would, I would probably all encompass around like, um, there's so many factors that come into play there. Whether it's like Matt and Pat leave or, um, caretaker leave or so many different things, um, that I would include in that bucket. But those four elements, I would say, for perks.
0: I love it. I love it. Yeah, you de- definitely didn't listen to my instructions, but I love it. It's it was very. Do you have insightful. a response?
1: what's your answer um, to your original question?
0: So I wasn't, I didn't do the thing, but I'll, I'll, I'll see. Okay. So this is, so no one can hold me to this because I'm doing this on the spot mm-hmm. compensation. And I'm going to do like a, a, a mix of both So compensation, um, leadership. So that's my boss, but also like company leadership. Um, mm-hmm. that, that whole thing matters to me. Um, like you just said, and I didn't realize how important this was to me until fairly recently, but like I'd, I'd love to work for people that I can learn from mm-hmm. and people that like, that I can really learn from. And, it, and it's a, a weird, cause obviously it's like, oh, of course you learn from your boss, but it's like, there's a difference between just having a boss and having someone that's teaching you stuff that you're going to use. So that's one. So that's two. Number three would be autonomy. Um, so that, that covers all of flexibility, mm-hmm. all of everything for me is like, can I do my job well? And are you letting me do it my way? And then not worrying not majoring in the minors right because there's there's people out there Man, that really like majoring to
1: majoring in the minors
0: yeah see i had a i had a, a old mentor
1: tagline that
0: one that yeah no we'll make t-shirts but no because if you you know that what they said to me was if you major in the minors you'll you'll never make it in the majors right so not saying certain things aren't important there are many my, there are many small things that should be kept and i should be kept on but that shouldn't be all you keep an eye on. Like, if someone is overperforming, but they have like one thing that they're missing here and there, you you, you should speak to them about it. But there's a way to do it, right? There isn't. You don't just like. Anyway, so that's number three. Um, and then after that, so compensation, leadership, autonomy, um, culture. That's my top four. I think if I was gonna pick a fifth, it would probably be something like. Oh, no. And then and then I'll say like PTO, or like leave. That'll mm-hmm. be my fifth. Um, but I think autonomy comes into that, too. Well, I mean, leave isn't like a autonomy thing, but it's it kind of is because I remember, I you know, I had a boss fairly, you know, fairly recently. And she was like, I don't care if you show up at 10 o'clock. I don't care if you have to take the rest of the day off. Um, if it's like really long leave, let me know. But if you're like here and there, but you're getting your job done and everyone's on your team is fine. I don't care. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't affect the bottom line it doesn't affect anything essentially. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so yeah, so I think those, that's my top five.
1: Love it. Cool. Um, so wrapping up the conversation today with takeaways from everything we've discussed, what are, let's say two takeaways you would leave from an employer perspective and two takeaways you'd leave with from an employee or potential candidate perspective?
0: So I think the employer's perspective is, is a very simple one. It's, I I would be very much, what I would say to employers is listen to the market and know yourself, right? When I say listen to the market, that's not just the market, it's also your, your current employees, it's everyone, right? Um, you know, perks, whether it be perks, whether it be benefits. One is you should know what, like what column, what falls under, like, don't put a bonus under perk. It's not a perk. That is part of the benefits. Right. Um, So know that, but then also know yourself. There is, there's a very, you know, we're not saying everyone needs to pay above market rate or pay crazy amounts of money. Your budgets are your budgets and we respect and understand that, but you need to also respect and understand when your budgets aren't, at that level, then there's a lot of other things that won't cost you a dime or will cost you significantly less to figure out. Right. Um, So, you know, so that's probably my, my top two. And for candidates or for, for the workforce um, really understand what's important to you Uh, you know, Going in and understanding, and also like the, one of the powerful things about like stack leveling, the things that are important to you, if you're, if you're missing out on your number one, but your three and four are much more than what you're hoping for, maybe it balances out, find out what those are for you. Um, and then like, I think it also comes down to knowing like, you're not made for every company, every company's not made for you. So like, don't try to put a score peg in a round hole, you know, like see what makes sense for you. Um, that would be for me. What about you?
1: Um, I agree with all of your answers. Um, I think for a company from the company viewpoint, it's, um, like as core behaviors, it's extremely important to understand current state of the market and then have a very strong self-awareness around your own organization and then being able to cultivate a strategy based on that and highlight what makes you different and what's going to make you stand out and build your brand And then from the employee perspective, I will also acknowledge in addition to what you said, some individuals oftentimes don't have the luxury or privilege of being able to be as particular or bold about their um, priorities and what they're looking for. But I will say in line with what you were sharing, um, especially I think for individuals earlier in their career, it's, I think it's so easy. Um, There's so many factors that come into your lack of experience or understanding your awareness or confidence in your skill to where you will maybe um, not, um, not be as bold about what you want or what you're looking for. But I think interviewing the company just as much as they're interviewing you throughout the process and doing your due diligence, um, and comparing how they align with your, um, top five and your, what's important to you, um, is really important in making sure it aligns with, with who you are and what you're looking for.
0: Mm, I love that. I, so, and with that being said, how about, um, for all of everyone listening, if you can comment your top five, uh, benefits and perks, mix them up, tell us what they are. Uh, and then maybe we can take that data and maybe do another episode and be like, this is actually what the people want. Cause I don't think we actually answered that question. Well, no, we did. It's money. Uh, people <laughs> want to get paid. So everyone pay, uh, your people. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Do, do what's right for, for you and your company. I think that's the bottom line. Find out what that is and, and do it. Um, cool. So I guess, uh, that's, that's wrapping up. I guess we want to thank everybody for listening. And uh, yeah, so it's been uh, sincerely, friend and Shubo.